Schaefer. Schaefer, are you home? And there's a guy on a bike who had stopped by the car because he noticed, you know, it was on fire. And uh, he pulled out his phone. I saw him dial, you know, 911. I thought, well, shucks, that's all I was going to do anyway. Let's go. You know, somebody <laughs> just took off. We left it. And I, I didn't know if I'd ever see it again. But we went back after the reception. And there was a nice little note from the Alexandria Fire Department saying, look, your car caught on fire. It was extinguished. Here's the number for a tow truck. <laughs> Late afternoon is upon us here in Austin, Texas, where we sit beneath the glowing peacock under the hot West Texas, West Texas sun, the hot hill country sun, which is thankfully setting for it is time for one magical hour, a Matthew and Schaefer podcast spectacular. Episode number 145. And and we have nothing to lose tonight, this Saturday night. Sunday night. <laughs> The Sunday night is wide open. We're ready. We're ready to talk about this, that, and everything else. Might have some avocado reviews for you. Might have a song parody. We'll definitely have both of those things. Also have a poem. But first, we have the pride of Tarzana, California. The Martinique Magnifiqueur and the Montserrat Mistaker. The friend of the shoeless piper, Matthew Rampy. Big casting, talk and breeze. We doing big casting on Shafee Settee. We doing big casting in ATX. You got to download this podcast to hear what's next. Settee. R.I.P. Pimp C. Yeah, I'm on your couch. On our Yeah, Settee. Is that... Is that, that's like an old timey term. I think, I think this is our yows. I think that's right for t- for tonight. We were we were desperately searching for some topics moments ago. We are men in search of topics. Uh, I'm looking it up. You guys, in maybe I'm. Of am I spelling it right? S e t e e. I think maybe there's two t's. Okay. Oh, you're right. Also called sofa, an upholstered seat with backs and arms. Arms are sometimes upholstered. Designated to accommodate two or more people in a sitting sitting or reclining position. Oh, yeah. I guess that's when you incorporate a chaise longue. A shit, yeah. Um, wow, when you said episode 145, I felt the weight of the world, you know. I felt time marching on. Yeah. Two years, in fact. As and you said two years and I shuddered. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Now we started here's the thing. If you start a podcast and you do like ten episodes, who fucking cares? <laughs> you know what? But you get into the hundreds and people start to notice, I think. I don't know. It doesn't matter. The we... people that are listening are the important part of this. And 
thanks again, all of y'all. We love you. Absolutely. And when when you start to amass guests who then later on become Oh yeah. Poet laureates of the United States. Well, we we have already notable guests. Yeah, many notable guests. But sure. then when one of our guests is vaulted into a stratosphere that it's some rarefied air, am I right? That I mean, yeah, rarefied. it's a title not bestowed upon many. Yeah, it's rarefied. Yeah, I assume rarefied means air that not many people breathe. There have been a whole lot of U.S. poet laureates over the years. I think we should say in plain English here on the podcast: our, your good friend, my friend of a friend, Ada Limon. Yep, named. Was named, last week was named U.S. Poet, poet Laureate. U.S. Poet Laureate. What an honor. Which I used to describe her as my friend most likely to be named U.S. Poet Laureate someday. You called it. But I just didn't really, I, I, in my mind that was something that would happen later. Mm. And so this, right, right. funny, like, <laughs> not to make this all about me, but Ada being named Mo being named U.S. Poet Laureate made me realize that now is actually later. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. We right. are in our late 40s, and yeah, this is where, like, we have the gravitas of maturity upon us, yeah. whether we like it or not. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm, I think maybe I'm struggling with that. <laughs> not, not in any kind of... I'm fighting it tooth and nail, my friend. <laughs> not, not in any kind of mortality or, like, existential oh, yeah, dread no. sort of way. It's... I really, we're, we're, of course, we're dealing with death all the yeah. time, and and my kids are, like, becoming aware of death, and, like, sometimes they're, like, they can't go to sleep. Dad, I'm afraid of dying. I'm, like, you need to be afraid of li- of not living, son, you know? You, you, like, you need to focus on the living part yep. when you're eight years old, <laughs> you know? Um, but I try to calm them down by just really emphasizing not not fearing dying it's just part of it there can't be birth without death do you ever play like blue oyster cult don't fear the reaper no play time games with them be like well you know how long it's been since that thing we did three years ago Mm. you know like think about how long that is and you know, it's at least 10 times that is how much time I probably have left. Right. You know, right. 10 times that seemingly inconceivably long time that you're remembering now. And then, you know, throw it another, it's another 25 to 30 times before you should even think about your own mortality. And so it's definitely not, definitely not time yet. Yeah. But it's never a bad idea to know, you know, what you've done and what you want to do and how much time you have left to do it. (laughs) Yeah. Go ahead and get on, get started. Are those things that you really want to do, you know, because. Isabel kept making this list for the summer and she was calling it her summer bucket list. (laughs) And I was like, "Um, babe, that that doesn't really fit here. By the way, she's accomplished a lot of the goals on that list. Uh, uh, wait, let's go back to Ada for a minute. If you look at the summer as a bucket of waters, a pail of water, you know, maybe a pail of ocean seawater, and it 
is emptying out. I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. As summer passes away, and I told her that it was that was immaterial. That it was, wasn't. It was needlessly maudlin crap. Yeah. Um. Have you yeah. have you spoken with with Ada? I've texted you, with her. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then what? Once you've been named that, like, does that like open doors for you? Oh, I'm sure it does. Yeah. But you, yeah, and then you know, I think in terms of publishing and. Publishing, sure. I mean, who wouldn't want to? But she's already on this adventure of being like a, a public figure, and she's doing yeah, podcast. Yeah, she and, and she's hooked up with APM now. Yeah, she was widely considered imminently publishable. You know. Well, that's so fantastic! Congratulations, Ada. We we think you're fantastic. Yeah. You are you. That kind of stuff is the inspiration for this podcast. That's that. That's really when people say what's your podcast about. It's about creative endeavors. Yeah, that was really for me. But and I thought that our best way to to respect and give homage to creative endeavors was to do something like this. Even though. <laughs> <laughs> Now that I'm saying it, <laughs> it seems like we're taking the piss somehow, right? Uh, but uh, I, I just, I, I'm just so excited to be friends of friends of, of yeah, such no, it's super fascinating cool. and inspiring people. And I'm excited, you know, that she, you know, the big thing is going to be lots of reading opportunities, so a lot more people are going to be able to hear Ada's poem, which are great, and I think they could actually, you know. Make people's lives better. So well, I love her whole message with it uh, about how poetry can help heal us and connect us. And without too much tongue in cheek, I would say that that is what this is about. Too. Oh, absolutely, yeah. sure connection. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we're talking about this going on for two years, right? And it's interesting to think that two years ago, it was the dead of lockdown. Yeah. We were locked down. We six, still didn't been, know. We've been locked down six months. They were saying like, they were saying vaccines were like two years away. Yeah. We didn't know when vaccines were coming. We didn't know when lockdown was going to be over. Right. There was still so much wow. that we didn't know. <laughs> we didn't know what was going to happen with the economy, which seemed... It seemed to me that the pandemic was going to destroy the economy, but then somehow the comeback from it was so hot that then it turned into something else. Yeah. Or maybe this is just the, maybe if the economy is going into a difficult period, it was just a wave. I think it's just wild needle swinging of all of the crazy shit that's been going on. It, the world is absurd. <laughs> you know, like... How could, how could anything be consistent in without you know without worry or concern and you know there's uh bizarre bizarre things happening politically uh war on the war on the near horizon war in europe for the yeah. first time in however long and and still the the last gasps of this virus thing whatever that that's happening i, I you know i want to say last gasp because that's how it feels, but really, like, you know, they said this latest version of Omicron is, like, the most virulent yet, and... Well, I I don't think 
that as long as it's just getting better at transmissibility and not getting more severe. Right. But I guess that's part of a thing becoming endemic, really. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not an epidemiologist and I don't play one on this podcast. And it's, you know, it's poking through immunities, you know, whether it's, whether it's an earned immunity or a vaccination immunity. Yeah. The new version is bumping through that. Now, at this point, most of us have had it and not died from it. So I guess, you know, we really are hitting that kind of flu-like endemic situation. I endemic have to endemic. <laughs> however you want to say it, my friend. <laughs> I will. We all know that I'll say it however I want to yeah. say it. <laughs> I'm trying to have a real good attitude about this heat. Yeah. Which, you know... Good for you, it's I guess. It's hard to say whether that's a, a natural cycle here in Texas of like a really hot summer, 10 or 12 year cycle, uh, or, you know, ex of course, things are exacerbated by global warming. And, you know, the planet's going to be fine. Humans are going to struggle to adapt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and maybe the weather is going to kill us all, but... Uh, but right now, I'm just like, you know, this is every, – every place has its difficult season. And I'm well acclimated and I'm just dealing with it fine. And, and you do the things – you got to organize your life in such a way that, the, you, you know, if you want to do something outside, you got to do it in the morning. And, you know, you got to do all these things. Yeah. You got to be smart and it's fine. It's no big deal. Those are the things that I think – are gonna happen not you know not you know the one event where but i i mentioned that in connection with what we're talking about of like extremities mm -hmm. of stuff going on in the world and i don't know i don't want to be that dog that's in the burning room going this is fine uh, yeah <laughs> yeah it's cool everything's fine and that's kind of what i'm doing like with at least with the weather here in texas um now, I'll tell you something. Uh, a week's worth of 105 degree heat makes me appreciate 99 degree oh, heat. Oh, boy. I, no, I'm I, like, I got to get outside. Enjoy this. I, 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 remember, <laughs> I remember the summer of 2003, and there had been a stretch of like 105 plus, and it dipped down to like 96, and you're just like, wow. That's a, I think anything over the human body temperature yeah. you know, becomes problematic. Um, yeah, the world's gone, the world's gone mad. Boy, this, hey guys, episode 145, it's going to be a bummer, but just hold on, just keep listening. Um, so I, I've got a correction, which is one of my favorite parts of the show, because when I, when we listen back, I always make promises that I don't keep and I always say things incorrectly. It makes me, it shows me how often I'm incorrect just in life that I don't notice when you record yourself and, and listen back. Um, we were talking to Brian Benitez on episode 143 and I, we were saying this, there's no poetry corner. We're just going to let Brian's lyrics take us out here. D okay, here we go. DNR the musical. And then I totally, did not play that track at all at the end of the program. Um, and I'm, Brian's going to send me that. Hopefully today, 
DNR the Musical is our outgoing track from ContraZoom Mixtapes. I super enjoyed that episode, though. It was pretty uh, fun. Brian is so much fun to talk to. He is so easy to talk to. So easy to talk to. He's so insightful. He's smart, yeah. Yeah. He says things that are so cutting <laughs> and dry and brilliant. Funny, funny dude. Well, I wanted to give everybody an update on here. Was, it, I think the, I think the segment here is a, a favorite, a, a, a podcast favorite. It's Matthew's minutia. So my grandmother's funeral, I spoke. Oh wow! Yeah, and um, everybody was complimentary about my eulogy, which made me feel good. And uh, that was so that was Friday of that trip to uh, Dallas Fort Worth. My grandmother's in Weatherford, which is on the western side of Fort Worth, outside of Fort Worth on the western side. And then my mom lives in Burleson, which is south of Fort Worth. <laughs> and so we drove 45 minutes over to her house and we spent the night. And then I took my mom to my sister's house. My sister lives in Las Colinas, which is about 45 minutes from Burleson. So everything in the Dallas metroplex yeah. area, 45 minutes. You know, at, you know, in Lubbock, it felt like everything was 10 or 15 minutes away. Yeah. Everything. In DFW, it's it, between half hour to 45 if you're going yeah. somewhere. So, and this is not traffic. This is just spread out, to be clear. Uh, and then... That was a, it was my sister's baby shower. So my, my grandmother's funeral, my sister's baby shower, which both, so both sides of my family came together, my mom and my dad. And uh, I saw them in the room at the same time, only have seen them together in the same room, maybe a handful of times since their divorce 30 years ago, whatever, 30 plus years ago. Um, and they're both sick. My mom's got liver disease. My dad has Parkinson's. They're kind of both sad sacks. Both of them have canes. And uh, I said, I said, it's good you two have different partners now because who in the hell would be taking care of who here? <laughs> Which got a laugh, you know. Um, and then I hung out with my dad and my brother-in-law Saturday and then saw all my dad's family when they came back from the shower. And then we, we stayed in a hotel in Dallas on, on Saturday night, which was really cool. Amy had stayed there before, the Hotel St. Elmo, which is in the old headquarters of a petroleum company. So it's like a 15-story brick building. And it has so many like art deco um, accents. And did we talk about this in real life? Maybe I feel did, yeah. I see that I'm boring you. No, no, you're never but, not. But <laughs> I'm trying to. <laughs> I feel like maybe I would, I gave you this spiel at the bar the other day. Anyway, no, this I, is, I'm going to say it on the podcast for posterity. Anyway. What you're seeing is me trying to think about several different things. Okay, good, good, good. Um, let me focus on the story then. And then um, I I really enjoyed that hotel, and it had a a kind of a it was almost like the Van Zant here where it had kind of a rock and roll theme and there were like books in every room and there was the Spike Jones Beastie Boys photography book oh, in cool. my room, which I had not seen. And my kids know that I'm a huge Beastie Boys fan and, you know, so 
on the in the morning, Sunday morning, I I got it out and I was looking through it, and there's a story by Spike Jones at the end, where he was working on where the wild things are, and it was at the end where they were just trying to get all of these CGI aspects together, and it was dragging on and on, and he felt like his his comment was, I felt like my face was being ground slowly into the asphalt. <laughs> and uh, an associate of his, it, they, he had moved to London to be with the CG team. And an associate of his ran into Mike D who was staying at a hotel in Soho. And, and Spike, who had chronicled them through the years and was is very good friends with them. And he, he didn't know they were in town. And anyway, he describes this, he went and met with them and he hadn't seen him in so long and they had a magical night. And then they like, they were like, we're going to Paris, come with us. And he spent like a couple of weeks with them. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, man, it was, I would encourage you to go and read this passage because the end of it is what he's taken from his relationship and his friendship with the Beastie Boys is that, and really through Adam Yao, MCA, his all his soul searching and how I, I don't know it all comes down to life comes down to the important things which are for most of us making stuff with our friends <laughs> being creative with our friends or just like being with the ones you love you know yeah that's what life is all about and uh, it, it was really good then to cap off an emotional weekend first I read that most of that out loud to my kids right uh-huh. and then we went we left the hotel we went to the amy didn't want to do this we went to the holocaust and human rights museum in downtown uh-huh. dallas which is awesome and it's about two blocks from dealey plaza so we went down there we were a little early we had the museum opened at 10 we had tickets for 10 a.m and we so we walked down to dealey plaza and we were explaining to our kids how so, this very nice young president was shot in the head right here. Mm-hmm. And then we went to, uh, from a museum experience perspective, eight avocados on the Holocaust and Human Rights Museum. And oh, yeah. You come in and you, there's sort of a video presentation where the thing that's explained to you is that there's four participants in a genocide. There's the perpetrators. There's the victims. There's the bystanders and there's the upstanders. And then the it's sort of a kinetic thing where you go into a hallway and you see another video like up on a pediment and then you go up some stairs and you see another video up here and you then you go up and it breaks into like how did the Holocaust in Germany in World War II start and the rise of Hitler and there's but all, all throughout it and I learned, I know a lot about the Holocaust, and but I learned a lot. And their focus on the upstanders was really interesting. On all the people who resisted and who, people who hid families of, mm-hmm. uh, of Jews. And, and then, then it goes, so it goes through that. And it's not as, my kids were with us, you know. I mean, there, they, it was some real talk for sure. But it's it's not as horrific as you might think it would could be presented. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I I learned that I didn't really understand was how media was used to 
turn public opinion against the Jews. And there's this like protocols of Zion or something, which is a total fabrication. And was yeah. Henry Ford latched onto this? I know a little bit about the protocols of Zion and, because of the omnibus. I mean, podcast. I've heard of that, but I didn't understand what it was. It's really weird. It's really weird. And um anyway, there's all that. And then then it transitions into like there's the Holocaust and you and you you eventually you walk through a truck a train car, a like full size train car, and then you go into this part of it that's like the ten stages of a genocide. And it's this hall of these pretty dynamic uh, exhibits of a different example of genocides from different, like the, um, the Hutus and the Tutsis in Rwanda and this genocide of Mayans from the 60s through the 90s in Guatemala. Wow. Uh, some genocides, and then there's like Islamofascism and, and there's all these different aspects of the 10 stages of Paul Pot, of course, um, all, all these horrific things. Then you move into the last phase, which is like really focusing on the upstanders. It's like the hall of upstanders. Anyway, we capped off a very emotional, heavy weekend with that. And, uh, sounds like though that could be kind of uplifting, spiritually uplifting though. I have felt for a long time that I, I want to be an upstander. And it seems like the world is in a place where it needs that, of course. Yeah. I'm sure it always does, but um, my kind of baseline is I, I, I'm just a regular white boy from Lubbock, Texas, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, like, I, I, I look like a Trumper. I could, you know, I could easily look, you know, I'm just... You know, I'm just a regular American white male, and I feel like it's my job to really get into the world and look people in the eye and treat people so beautifully like I want to be treated, being such a great example of that. And and really, I, I'm, I'm latching on to this uh, concept of anti-racist. I think that's a great idea. I think. It's not enough to just be colorblind or whatever we've said in the past. Yeah, that's all. You know, bullshit. Yeah, um, I, I want. I just want every. I want every interaction with people in the world to be. I don't. I don't. I don't want what I may look like to them. Be how. I don't want to play into anybody's idea of just some regular white American male. Yeah. But, but that seems baseline now, and uh, you know, and what, what more can I do as an ally and an anti-racist? And, uh, I one time said to a friend, a man of color, I, I want to do something about racism. And he looked at me like I was fucking crazy. Like, what are you going to do about racism? Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, honestly, what you're talking about doing is, you know, a lot more than most of white America has done. I'm also doing the last hundred years. I'm also so. doing direct reparations. Anytime I see a black man asking for money or 
Or if I just see somebody, I want to buy a drink in a bar or something. That's, that's what I do. I don't know. That's, it's on my mind. I want to be an upstander in this fucking turbulent time. And I don't even know, really know how. So, Hey, get at us. If you have any ideas on how to really be an upstander with what's going on with, uh, I would say like the Supreme Court and politics in America and race relations in America and um, all kinds of economic disparity issues that we're having. Yeah. Well, if this stuff, <laughs> if like the thing with Roe v. Wade comes down to some some states having abortion and some states not having it, then you know we might start. You know we can. Driving, transport driving people. poor people to yeah. across state lines. That's a good idea. Um, Looking for ways to be an upstander. But I think one of the things that you were talking about, just, you know, looking people in the eye and having personal moments out in the real world is... I think it's good. It's not nothing. It's, you know, yeah, it's... And, you know, even something as simple as, you know, the idea, you know, of white people not seeing black people, you know, and that, that, you know, whether we're talking about literally, you know, them ignoring them out in public or, you know, more figuratively, and that's ignoring their deaths at the hands of the police or something. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think, you know, being out there and just saying, making eye contact, saying hello, holding the door, doing whatever. Yep. You know, like, you know, yes, no, I, I do see you. I think, you know, that that's like, those are the, those are the brass tacks, the essential parts of humanity that are I would like a to place be- to start. Granted, it's not, it's not enough, you know, I'm not saying no, it's, the, it's the end no, of it. That's there. why I said it. This but is, it's, a, as, this as is good a baseline. A, as good a place to start yeah. as any. I, I'm, I'm honestly, and then a little if, befuddled you know, by what to do. I, if you're I don't in, know what to do. If you're in your community and you've, you know, and you've laid that groundwork, uh, you know, with an African-American, maybe an African-American who does not have as much money as other people, then maybe when they're having a problem, then they can come to you, you know, and then now you've done some, you know, some genuine work, you know, in your community, you know, there's, there's all sorts of ways it can play out, but. I mean, I should probably get more serious about some kind of organized volunteerism. Yeah, definitely. It could probably be good. Anyway, boy, I really turned this into a fun podcast. I, I feel I've I feel a little vulnerable. I've um, maybe I've said too much. No, is there any such is there any such thing as saying too much? Not, I hope not, because. <laughs> We've probably done it at this point. Of Let's practice. move on into any. I just wanted to update everybody on the whole uh, the weekend I had had to, yeah, to bury weekend. my grandmother. Also, I I thought of this whole. I thought of sharing this whole episode while I was peeing just before the show, and mm-hmm. I was talking to Schaefer about how I've had lots of moments of. Like epiphanies and these moments of clarity while urinating. I don't know what that is. I'm just, and maybe like I'm literally opening myself up to the universe at that time. 
Um, yeah. Or, or, or just, and just like getting rid of fluids moving around is kind of the most essential <laughs> thing of it's like life. It's like bad humors and all that from pseudoscience yeah. medical past. Well, I was just thinking like a lot of my ideas come in the shower. And, oh yeah, is that right? But that's also you know warm water passing from one place to the other. Like there's something maybe essential in our hard encoded in our DNA from the time when yeah. when we were just uh, just um, single cell organisms in a primordial soup. This podcast is a little like single cell organisms <laughs> in a primordial soup. I mean, I think we could put that in the tagline. Uh, just a couple of single cell organisms in the primordial. Uh, yes. Wait, you were about to pontificate? No, I definitely oh, was not. You weren't? Okay. Well, then let's go on to the arts and entertainment portion of the podcast, which is what we purport this podcast to be about. We're a poetry podcast. We always read a poem, except when we don't, because we're going to play a certain song, but then sometimes we forget to play that song. But all <laughs> the other times we read poetry, but there's a little bit of arts and entertainment discussion before the poem each time, like 55 minutes. Uh, Adam got us tickets to a movie at Austin Film Society called Mad God. Okay. And Mad God is the life's work of this guy who he did he did the special effects for like every movie Every movie, ever like any movie that you can think of that had good special effects, he did them. You know, from like Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh. Like he was like the genius. He was the artist behind all of those special effects. And uh, uh, one has you know won some Academy Awards for that. Um, but he was working on his own movie that was, it's almost entirely stop motion animation. Uh, and it's, uh, it is feature length. There's no dialogue in it. <laughs> and it is just an, a visual assault wow. of this disturbing hellscape that starts with like, it starts with this like, Soldier, like going down into the fire. Sorry, it begins with a quote from Leviticus, from like an angry oh, god being oh, like, dear. "You're in, you're in big Mad trouble." God. Yeah. Um. And and the imagery was astoundingly disturbing. Oh. And and nonstop and oppressive and weird and. So do you wish you you wish we got together for the podcast last night instead? Well, no, that's the thing is, you know, at the end of it, you know, I was definitely like, guys, that was incredible. That's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen, you know, just visually speaking. And I was like, you know, I really feel like it's a very accurate, you know, metaphorical representation of the human situation. Like it felt very, sorry, and I, like at the end of the movie, I did not feel bad. Okay. And in fact, upon reflection, I started to feel good. And it was like, you know, kind of you know, the, the fact that humanity keeps coming 
back, you know, in cycles of war and, you know, in race and, you know, urban strife, civil strife, uh, it kind of put everything in perspective. And, you know, I've been like, oh, wait, yes. You know, it's the nature of the universe that animals are a part of this, you know, this grinder of, you know, being born and then beaten down and then decomposing in a pile of maggots and, you know, and, and everything, this cycle turning onwards. And it was, you know, the way that it was presented was so, so visually compelling that it, it, all of these ideas presented themselves very profoundly and they were put into my head, like I say, with no dialogue at all and stayed with me and in fact comforted me. So the way I was telling Adam, I was like, like this guy, I, I should get his name for you guys. Uh, this guy, I would say knows he has an understanding both of humanity and of art and creativity that is beyond me, you know, that Phil Tippett, Phil Tippett. Yes. Phil Tippett is an extraordinary artist and an extraordinarily, an extraordinary philosopher. This is, it's describing it as a horror film. Yeah. Yeah. It is. The imagery is horrifying. It was, it was a, the, the, and it was funny because like I was sitting there waiting. He was just like, "Hey, I got these tickets. Do you want to? Do you want to go see this movie?" And I said, "Oh, sure." I didn't really look at it too closely, but I saw like you know his history, and I was like, "Oh, this guy's cool. Oh, he's been working on this for thirty years." It seemed like a one of a kind thing, and it seemed like something that needed to be seen on the big screen, and it definitely was. And you know, you see now you're seeing sorry, like some of that's kind of. Some of it comes off as a little silly, but yeah, but yeah. So it's imagine it like looks this pretty stuff incredible just, uh, for ninety minutes. Just visually, it looked amazing. Huh. Phil Tippett's mad god. There was well, that's I mean the, <laughs> that relates to what we were just talking about exactly so, so well. It really does about yeah. the horrors of recent past. Yes. And um, I was how do you go when, on after when you that? were talking about your grandmother and you were talking about the Holocaust Museum? I was like, wow, this is all leading straight into my review of Mad God you know, <laughs> in an extraordinary way. Wow, it's a good thing we don't plan any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was thinking how Brian's DNR the musical <laughs> is probably going to be perfect. At the yeah, end of this podcast, yeah. Too. Well, that that's how I guess things all work out. Is Sometimes you forget to send the MP3 at just the right time. And then, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so it, eight it, avocados for that extraordinary movie. Definitely. And you say all that imagery, it, it, it ended up comforting you and giving you sort of this weird hope. And I yeah. guess the and museum that did not occur to me while I was, you know, while I was watching it, I was just like, ugh, what? Some of it made me laugh, you know, because it is, you know, it's stop motion animation. And I would say 
Adam and I probably chuckled more than anyone else in the theater. <laughs> there were a few other chuckles here and there, but a lot of it was just profoundly disturbing imagery. Okay, you know, probably not a movie for me. But <laughs> well, that's the thing is, I would have said that had I had I had a full description of that movie, I would have said no. That sounds interesting. Doesn't sound like something I want to see. <laughs> okay, but I'm so I, I would, I I would did, have said you know? this, I would have said that about the. Holocaust Museum. Sure, exactly. Yeah. I'll be like, ah, I know the Holocaust, but it really gave me this concept of upstanders. And I, I, I did want to mention, as you were talking about that too, there there was the portion, I, I, there was a room I didn't mention, which was the Nuremberg Trials, mm. which established this concept of human rights. International human rights were sort of codified through the Nuremberg Trials. And I did not know that. Yeah, I didn't. So, so I mean, to this same topic, that all that maybe all that had to happen so that we could, so that we could agree on a basic human right, like, and maybe that has elevated society quite a bit. I mean, you know, you still have. Oh, except then they take away the rights of uh, women to take care of yeah, their bodies. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. We still have some essential problems with human rights, and I, you know, yeah. I mean, it's going on all around the world, but it's also going supposedly on the enlightened. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, this episode one forty five, I always knew was going to be a bummer. Like when we started this podcast, <laughs> I knew. At one four five. I don't know. Hopefully it's like that. Hopefully it's like Mad Dog, <laughs> Mad God. Maybe uh, it, it can give you the uh, give you the uh, uh, what do they call that? The outlet that you need, or whatever. The, the outlet that I need is that Wilson Phillips song. I know that there is pain, but I hold on for one more day and I break free, break from the chains. <laughs> I parodied that on the show, didn't I? I don't know. <laughs> I did. I did. I'll have to find that. I'll have to find that and not play it like I said I was going to. Uh, well, I have an, also an avocado review based on you had mentioned that animated disturbing imagery. There, there's this Netflix series, Love, Death, and Robots, which you say you have not seen. No. It seems like it would be up my alley, though. It's do yourself a favor. Let me oh. ask, Shafee, Shafee, let me ask you a question. Do you like short stories? I do, yeah. Man, I love short stories. And so, you know, I love sci-fi. So. These are vignettes. They're all sci-fi. There's three seasons of them now. Yeah, that's so extraordinary. You, you'll, you've got a lot to work your way through. The third season was really good. I want to highlight the first one. Which, and they're they each is very different in style and tone. Each is very different. Yes, I mean they cool. they all have violence and gore and some mind bending stuff. And uh, what actually, there's one of them in this third season that I haven't seen because I watched like 45 seconds of it and I was already in kind of a dark place in my mind and I was like, I can't deal with this right now. <laughs> I so I I will go back to that one. Um, the first episode of the new season was called 
uh, no, wait, maybe it wasn't the first episode. I'm sorry. Maybe it was the second episode. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Bad traveling. Is what it was called. I'm the human robot. And it was, thank you. Boy, that was that was a big dead space when I was trying to gather my thoughts. <laughs> it was called Bad Traveling, and it was these two uh, female space explorers, and they're in this vehicle on one of the moons of Jupiter. I think it's like Io. And they're supposed to turn back to base, and then the driver's like, oh, let's go just check out over here. And then there's this sulfurous blast and the vehicles tumbled and there's this wreck and the driver survives the passenger dies because she wasn't like like hooked in mm-hmm. and then the driver's life support system is failing but the passenger's life support system even though she's dead it's working mm-hmm. and so she just hooks herself into the others uh her her compadre's suit and then she gets her air back and so she's surviving but she's like literally like hooked to her dead friend here wow and she sees there's something in the distance that she thinks that she can make it to and so she makes sort of a sled for the body and she starts out across this waste to get there and as she's traveling uh, what's the first thing that happens? Oh, she, I think she falls and like breaks uh, something. And so she accesses the morphine injection that's in her suit for medical. And so then she's sort of tripping on morphine and trying to make it. And she's got this, she's tripping out on death because she's got her compatriot there mm-hmm. dead. And then she realizes she's wasted too much time. And so she, activates the amphetamines from her medical portion of her suit and Mm. then she's like on that and then she's like going through this whole like you know close to death experience and then she just sort of becomes as we all do back to part of the universe or does she it's a it is a fascinating and beautiful set of animations um and they're all like that. They're all like super compelling. So I give Love, Death, and Robots seven and a half avocados. And the ha- minus the half is because sometimes it's too terrifying for me and I have to skip it. <laughs> um, I will definitely check that out. That sounds like lots of fun to me. You'll, you'll dig it a lot. I, and I, Adam mentioned he was like, oh, the third season is great, which tipped me off to go back to it. Uh, thanks, Adam, for mentioning that. It was great. You were right. Again, about Smart arts guy. and entertainment. Um, Smart guy, that, Adam. Yeah. So I was um, thinking we should have him on again. It's been about a year since he was on last talking about movies. We should have another Well, if we do, it'll be better because we can all sit together. Yeah. The last time, the last two times we had him on, one of them... First one we lost. 
Did, did I lose it? Is that what happened? Yeah, we lost it. I don't know. I'm I no. I mean, I was no sure it was me, but um, right, we had to do a do-over. Uh, agree. And I remember we did that. I did that from Dick's house, so that must have been. Oh, that was part of it. Was that I couldn't sync up your audio? Yeah. Oh, right. Right. Say la vie. Well, I'm I'm glad that here towards the end of the show, the themes of um, of losing our loved ones play on. Continue. Yeah. Uh, for the poem, I wanted to read a poem by Noah Eli Gordon, great poet, uh, just passed away rather suddenly. Um, I still don't know all the details of it, but it doesn't matter. We're going to miss him and a really good creative force uh, who we had to say goodbye to too soon. So uh, my thoughts with uh, our thoughts are with his family and his, uh, his wife and daughter. hope that he's in a better place. By Noah Eli Gordon, I found a poem called Cake. Cake by Noah Eli Gordon. Look, you want it, you devour it, and then, then, good as it was, you realize it wasn't what you exactly wanted what you wanted exactly was wanting. Well, that was like a Love, Death, and Robots episode. I think we, I think we can all relate to that. Mind-bending. Yeah. I can definitely relate. Thanks, Noah. Good luck in the next... Whatever happens next. The next astral plane. And thank you for listening. We love you. Take care of yourself. Take care of your friends. Take care, particularly your friends who also listen to the show. Take care of them especially. Look for opportunities to help marginalized peoples all around us. If you're in a power position, help people. And the poor are the choices. The sweeter the wine.
Yes, sir.